Scientifically, the black widow spider is referred to as Latrodectus. They usually are dark in color and have red, white, or brown markings on their abdomen, which are often in the shape of an hourglass. Their venom is particularly potent, but it's only a bite from the female Latrodectus that can be dangerous to humans. The reason for their poetic nickname, Black Widow, is due to their predilection for sexual cannibalism. After mating, the female spider will eat its male counterpart. There are multiple reasons for this, all relating to the survival of the spider offspring, and about 60% of mating encounters in the Latrodectus world end in cannibalism. I bring this up because it's a fantastic way to emphasize the namesake and also the brutality of female serial killers who are referred to as Black Widows. While there are a few differences in motive and modus operandi, female Latrodectus and Black Widows share a few basic traits. They are most notably remorseless with their killings, doing so in a way to live an easier life, and their sexuality is often very closely related to their reason for killing. Sources say that female serial killers represent just one in every six serial killers, and with several categories describing the motives of female killers, the majority are angel of death killers, which I will definitely unpack in a later episode, and black widows. This is due to the fact that females are much less motivated by brutality or sex, which a majority of male serial murderers are. Instead, they focus more on monetary gain or emotional revenge. Female serial killers are, quote, commonly categorized as murdering men for material gain, usually being emotionally close to their victims and generally needing to have a relationship with a victim. So while male killers usually tend to seek out strangers such as hitchhikers or prostitutes, women are statistically more likely to kill those that they care for. In technical terms, black widows are women who kill two or more husbands or lovers for material gain. Their means of murder are usually low profile with the use of poison being their preferred method of killing. While inheritances, life insurance policies, and government checks are utilized by Black Widows to their fullest, I do think it's important to note that these murders are rarely uninstigated by some form of brutality. A majority of the cases I researched of specifically Black Widow killers, these women were pushed over the edge in some form or another. They're often caregivers, giving off the facade of a loving, warm personality, and are usually well-educated women. While they may give off the illusion that they have everything, including looks and charming personalities, somewhere along the way in these women's lives, something snapped. Be sure to stay with me after this short break to hear more about Black Widows, a few famous cases, and how pretending to be a psychic helped one woman get away with her killing spree for just a little bit longer. Welcome back everyone. I think that a lot of you can relate to me when I say that one of my first times witnessing a Black Widow in action was while watching Adam's Family Values. In this sequel is featured the character Debbie. Played by the talented Joan Cusack, Debbie is a beautiful blonde who turns her attention to the single Uncle Fester, 
who she believes to be a rich bachelor. It's revealed later that she is, in fact, a remorseless killer, having killed her parents for getting her a Malibu Barbie doll instead of a ballerina Barbie doll, and has since then murdered two rich husbands, a heart surgeon and a politician. This character, though obviously comedic in a way that can resonate with kids, is reminiscent of a real-life serial killer who had a penchant for dark comedy. Mary Elizabeth Wilson was one of the UK's most famous female black widows, marrying and losing four husbands between 1955 and 1957. This earned her the nickname of the Mary Widow of Windy Nook. While a few of her marriages only lasted a few weeks, it was enough to grant her ownership of these men's estates. At one of her many wedding receptions, a friend commented, saying, What shall we do with all these cakes and sandwiches? To which she replied, We'll keep them for the funeral. She even went so far in her boldness as to request a discount from the local undertaker. Thankfully, police caught on to her actions, and after two of her husband's bodies were exhumed, they were found to have high levels of phosphorus. She was convicted in 1958 for the death of two of her husbands, the court stating that she had killed the men with beetle poison. While she was poised to be the last woman hanged in the UK, she died four years later in prison. Something fascinating I found out during research was that an easy way for black widows to keep a steady stream of income in the early 20th century was through Lonely Hearts ads. Like Tinder or eHarmony, the Lonely Hearts section of newspapers were ads put out by people looking to make a connection, whether that be serious dating, friendships, business, or casual hookups. This was the preferred method of plenty of serial killers in the late 1800s to early 1900s, as this was a fantastic way of finding rich, lonely, and most importantly, unattached men. Among the Lonely Hearts killers was Nanny Doss, referred to by some as the Giggling Granny. She confessed to killing four of her husbands. Her first marriage was a forced one. Her father made her marry Charlie Braggs at a young age, and after moving in with him, she found that her mother-in-law was extremely controlling. After years of alcoholism on her husband's part and infidelity on both parts, two of her four daughters died tragically from food poisoning. When her husband left her, fleeing with one of the two girls that were left, Nanny went to Florida where she met Robert Franklin Harrelson. Soon after, she found that he too was an alcoholic, but this time she found that he had had a criminal record for assault. Sixteen years after their marriage in 1945, and after a night of heavy drinking, Robert raped Nanny, and that was the last straw. She later found a jar of whiskey he had buried in her garden, and she topped it off with rat poison, burying it again for him to find later on. He would die a painful death later that night. After that, she continued to search for her future victims through Lonely Hearts ads, advertising herself as a loving, doting homemaker. She met Arlie Lanning this way, and three days after their meeting, they were married. He would soon after die of what was said to be heart failure. The same occurred with her fourth husband, but with her fifth, she got sloppy. In a mad dash to collect on two life insurance policies she had taken out on Samuel Doss, a Nazarene minister who had lost his family to a tornado in Arkansas, she failed to poison him enough during her first attempt. After being sent home from the hospital with professionals saying that 
He had had a severe digestive tract infection. Doctors were on high alert when he wound up dead the next day. This resulted in an autopsy where a large amount of arsenic was found in his body. Nanny pled guilty to the murders in 1955 and was sentenced to life in prison. It's interesting to me, though, that they did not pursue the death penalty solely due to the fact of her gender. Saving the best for last, I would like to share with you the story of Tilly Klemek. Born in Poland, Tilly immigrated to the United States as a baby in 1895, where she married her first husband, John Mitzkowitz. By 1940, he had died of a short illness, with the death certificate listing heart trouble as a cause, which sounds familiar, doesn't it? Two months after she remarried Joseph Raskowski, who died shortly after, and there's also reported the death of a boyfriend who had, quote, jilted her. After living with and breaking up with another boyfriend, she married Frank Kupsik. He soon took ill, and she began to draw attention from the police by making off-color comments to her neighbors about how he, quote, had two inches to live. She would also tell Frank in the mornings that, quote, it won't be long now, and you'll be dying soon. She even went so far in her blasé attitude as to knit her own morning hat in front of Frank and to buy a coffin that was on sale before Frank's death. You may be thinking, how did she get away with this? Well, it makes a bit more sense when you hear the fact that she claimed to have been psychic. She would pretend to have dreams about when exactly people around her would die, and after telling them about these dreams, she would then simply just schedule their death. She told a friend right before the death of her first husband that she dreamt that she would find his corpse on a specific date. And so she did. Shortly after co-signing a will that left all their possessions to each other, her last husband, Joseph Klimek, fell ill. After the hospital tested him for poisoning, which they had grown to suspect, they arrested Tilly. Thankfully, Joseph survived, though he was hospitalized for three months. All the while, investigators had exhumed Tilly's previous husbands and had found deadly doses of arsenic in both of them. Unsurprisingly, her first husband had had a $1,000 life insurance policy. Her second husband had $2,000 in life insurance, and her last had another $1,000. That $4,000 would have been roughly worth around $100,000 at the time. It was later revealed that after complaining to her cousin Nellie, telling her that she was sick of her third husband, she gave Tilly a large portion of a poison called Rough on Rats. It gets even crazier than that. Upon a further investigation, it was shown that Tilly hadn't just killed her husbands, but rather anyone that bothered her in the least. This included a few of her neighbors, who had taken candy from her, a dog who barked down the street, and several of Tilly and Nellie's cousins. They estimated the body count to be 14, while the total number of people poisoned was around 20. I don't even think that's including the people that her cousin Nellie had poisoned. Tilly ended up with a life sentence, the most severe of sentences for a woman in Cook County at the time. She would die 13 years later in prison. Something ironic about this case, along with many of the other cases I read through, was that some of these women were referred to as Bluebeard. Unless you're French, you've probably never heard of the folktale which was written in 1697 and also published as a Grimm's fairy tale. It tells the story of a man with a blue beard and a fondness for killing his wives. After marrying a young girl from his village, 
The rich Bluebeard says that he has to go off to the country, so he gives his new wife a set of keys. He says that she is allowed to go anywhere in the house except for one specific room. During a party with her friends, she sneaks off to that room, unable to stop her curiosity from getting her in trouble. She finds the room is filled with the bodies and blood of his previous wives. She escapes, but finds the key is covered in blood that she can't get off. When Bluebeard returns, he threatens to kill her, just like his other wives. She thinks quickly and asks for permission for one last prayer with her sister, giving her brothers and father enough time to kill Bluebeard and rescue her. What's so ironic to me is that this man had nothing to gain by killing his wives. He was the rich one, with a chateau in the country. Yet it's still a nickname that's also given to women with much different motives. After Tilly Klimek became famous in Chicago's Little Poland area, it was reported by papers at the time that she was, quote, a high priestess of a group of women called the Bluebeard Clique. These women went on to be arrested for poisoning their loved ones after Tilly was found out. One last thing I thought I'd share with you is this. Upon researching Black Widow spiders, I kept coming across the same warnings. They mostly stated that Black Widows were pretty harmless if you treated them right. They would really only bite if scared, upset, or if they felt they were trapped. My advice? Get to know someone for more than two weeks before you marry them. Or else, you better get well acquainted with the signs of poisoning. Now as I come to the end of this episode, I want to thank anyone that took the time to listen, and also to thank my sponsor, Anchor.fm, for allowing me to get this podcast out for you all to hear. For anyone that has a story they would like to share, I would absolutely love to be able to hear from you, wherever you are and whoever you are. It would be great to know what about this week's topic interested you, if you have your own experiences with it, or if you have suggestions as to what would make this podcast better. I would also love to be able to read your stories aloud on the podcast so that listeners know that they aren't alone in their experiences. I'm working on building an Instagram page for Strange Origins, so if you like what you hear or you like spooky memes, go give me a follow. Also, if you would like to support this podcast and to help it grow into something bigger, please visit my Patreon page, which is listed in the description of this episode and where I offer great gifts to those supporting my dream job. And as always, guys... Remember to keep it strange.